Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have filled this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've got to based on fiction welcome back to true stories based on fiction the podcast in audio form i am evan the third host and thank you for coming back thank you for putting up with us being a little bit sporadic of late like i think i said on the other episodes when we came back there's been some life changes for a bunch of us in the podcast network you may have also noticed that the youtube channel has kind of has been kind of stagnant we're working on that too like i said lives are changing uh, for better ways and different ways, and some difficult ways in general. So we're going to uh, try to get back on track with all, all with all that. But I'm going to stop apologizing and just get to the content. Uh, so I'm going to do a little stack episode. I'm not sure what how I even want to name these anymore because of the timing that they recorded and they come out. But in any event, I'm going to go over a few comic books that I read and give you a brief synopsis and my drunk Iron Man scale. You guys seem to like the last two or three that I put out. Something I'm going to continue doing as long as I have the interest, honestly. And um, these are fun. They're easy. Uh, and they're something I can do without having someone recording with me. I'm Because that's not always possible, like I said. Because of, Anyway, fuck it. Uh, first book up is Robin and Batman 2 of 3 by Jeff Lemire and Dustin Knight. The guy in... I used to know how to pronounce his last name, but I can't anymore. Anyway, when this book was announced, I was excited because I love these two creators. Jeff Lemire may be one of the top comic book writers of all time and cartoonists of all time. Because his artwork is not, is not always what you would expect in superhero comics or even in slice of life graphic novels. But... For whatever reason, I'm attracted to his art, and I like it a lot. And Dustin Nigin, I'm sorry, sorry for butchering your your name, my guy. I, like I said, I, I, I'm not saying that back in the day. His run on Detective Comics back in the day, and then Batman Streets of Gotham when they did Hush Returns was amazing, and I like this team. Anyway, then when I saw that this was yet another retelling of the Robin origin. I was a little taken aback by it because we've seen it so many times, especially the Dick Grayson Robin. I would rather see a rehash of the Jason Todd Robin story because we don't see that as often. But the first issue kind of disappointed me because I, I just wanted more. The second issue I liked a lot because it flipped it. Because uh, you see the the Robin was always going to be kind of a darker hero. So Batman... <laughs> made him infiltrate the Teen Titans to see how they could defeat them, which it was a, a a very interesting flip of what I thought was going to happen in the story. So, anyway, I give it 7 out of 10, Drunk Iron Man. Next, we have Spawn 327-328. Um, Spawn is a book, oh, and that's by Rory McCalvin and Carlo Bur- Barbary with additional scripting by Todd McFarlane. Um, so this book is consistently a good read. If you ask me what happens in any Spawn book, I I kind of don't, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I can just tell you that I like reading it and I enjoy it. And it, I can follow it while I'm reading it. But as soon as I, I'm done, I have no idea what happened. 
one. Anyway, good art, good story. I think the clown pops up. Um, 7 out of 10. Next, we got The Scorched. Issues 2, 3, and 4. Uh, it's a Spawn family of series. It's written by Sean Lewis and art by Steven Sokovia. Segovia? Yeah. Um, I, I like the covers on these books. I like the story. Essentially, it seems like the Spawn's team of hell spawns and battles between heaven and earth are on a team being led by She Spawn. Very creative name. And they are going up again. And they're trying to save some kidnapped women, I believe. And again, like any other Spawn book, I don't really understand it, but I like it a lot. 7 out of 10 for those three. Then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual for 2021. I know it's really late that I got this, but these annuals are a lot of Skrilla to pay the bills. And it's difficult for me to justify buying this one book for $6.99. Where I can buy two other books, well, a book and a half or you know, something like that. So this is by Tom Watts. Well, Watts, Milani, Keen, and Delegato. I don't feel like opening up to see their first names, but no disrespect to you crediting your work. So this is essentially a prequel for the upcoming Armageddon game storyline in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in summer of 2022, which is which we are, which is what we are in as I record this. I think later on this month they're actually going to come out with a prelude to that series. So this is going to be the biggest uh, storyline they've had since City at War. Um, and what happens in this book is the Rat King, who's been a pretty interesting character, he goes around to all of his siblings who are still active on the chessboard and see if they want to like wreak some havoc. They all tell him no. So he has a little Thanos moments where he basically says, I'll do it myself. Um, It's a pretty good book. It's a little wordy for my liking. Because I think that they kind of forget that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... It's a book that can appeal to all ages, but sometimes they write it like it's just for 35-year-old adults who like dense reads. Sometimes I just want to read a book, bro. You don't need to have 25 caption balloons on one fucking page. You get to the goddamn story. The art on this one was lacking a little bit, honestly. Uh, I feel like, as I often say, they were, Tom Moss was trying to jack off on paper. Look how what sort of a clever writer I am. But... I like what it's setting up, so I'll give it 7 out of 10 for Man, which seems to be the uh, the uh, the case of this episode. Next up, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Free Comic Book Day episode uh, issue, and I like it because it shows a different version of, of Ninja Turtles. And it, Oh, it's by Sophie Campbell and Tom Waltz. Also, a prelude to the Armageddon War, Armageddon Games, whatever it's called. Um, let me see. The Armageddon Games, singular. But it tells you, it shows you Venus de Milo, who's popping up in the book, and also uh, in alternative versions of the TMT. And it, it is a pastiche of the original few pages of the OG 1984 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue one. But from the perspective of these new turtles, who we don't know much about yet. Um, I like the artwork. It's different. Sophie Campbell is more 
I would say almost it's more manga and not it is more gritty at the same damn time. I also like that in the back of the book they do have the first couple of pages of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle book. That's a good change. And it does make you intrigued for what's going to happen with uh, the Armageddon game. Because uh, as we get into it, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Next up, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 125, 126, and 127. Basically, and this is by Eastman, Campbell, Tunica, and Patterson. So they're so they're in, in mutant town still, and they're uh, fighting these these teenage frog creatures who are like a riff of all of the riffs of the turtles. And they fucked some shit up. They burned down a building, mistaking them for someone else, which I think are the other teenage mutant ninja turtles that we saw in the free comic book day edition. And the turtles are basically going on the rampage. And subplot is some there is a weird looking kooky doctor, looks like a troll, who can augment um the mutated human beings to get different uh to basically he's like a plastic surgeon, like a dirty like he's doing BBLs uh in Brazil, but he can augment the mutants' bodies. And this is how we find Venus de Milo, which is one of his creations. So he took the leftover parts of these different uh, animals that he's found, different mutants, and he concocted her together. So she's basically Frankenstein. Um, so that's where the two main things happen in these books. Um, as I think I said before, this series is kind of meandering since issue 100. So about 50, so about 25, well, 30 issues now as I record this, of kind of just going in circles um, in a holding pattern. Like that Dwayne Swarzynski run of Cable that stopped him from writing comics. Um, these recent issues are pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of the artwork. Honestly, lately, if it's not Sophie Campbell, they haven't had the best artists on on this book, in my opinion. I didn't like Dave Wachter. I didn't like the other person, I think, was Jody something, who was drawing it for a while. Sophie Campbell, I love their work. Um, other than that, like the first hundred issues were more hits than misses when it came to the art team. As of late, it's been more missed than hit. And uh, I'm not a fan of Sophie Campbell's writing in this current iteration either. Um, yeah. So, I and, and this is a book that I will continue to buy because I own every issue of it. Somewhere in my myriad boxes here. But uh, anyway, I give these 6 out of 10. Okay. Alright, we're making good time this episode. Uh, I was going to break this up, but I might not have to. Um, Next, we're going to do X-Men Legends 9, 8, 9, 10, and 11. I may have done some of these before, but I can't remember. I'm too lazy to look. 9 and 8 conclude the Wolverine storyline. Um, by Larry Hama, Billy Tan, and Chris Sotomayor. Um, it's pretty good. It's good, Larry Hama. It doesn't really happen. It's not a story. When when this series first began, they were taking storylines that were lingering 
and they were filling in the, the gaps. Like they had one about uh, Alexi Extreme, they had one about the uh, the sentient um, ship from uh, X Factor, things like that. Now they're just doing weird shit, like just basically backup stories that don't really need to be three issues like I think this one was. But I'm afraid of Billy Ted's art, Larry Hamas in there good, but it's a scene in- inconsequential. And then we got issue 10, which took place during, uh, and that's by Fabian Nicieza, uh, Dan Jurgens, Scott Hanna, and Alex Sinclair. And this one takes place during a battle of the X-Men to where you see that Mr. Sinister has a lot of different clones. Um, and they're per- and this is just pretty good. Um, I wasn't a fan of the Dan Jurgens art. I'm not a fan of Dan Jurgens art in general, but uh, in the recent years when he's been inked by Norm Rapman, Norm has been able to make his, liven up his artwork. But here, Scott Hanna, not doing a good job. Um, it made his artwork, artwork look dull. Honestly speaking, Scott Hanna used to be one of my favorite anchors, but hmm, in an upcoming episode, you'll see that he also kind of butchered somebody else's pencils uh, on a more recent book, whose artwork I typically like. Um, it's an interesting read. It was a, it it would have made for a good X Men Unlimited issue from back in the nineties. This is kind of like what this book has turned into, honestly. Um, seven out of ten. Okay, X Men Legends number eleven by Louise Simonson, Walter Simonson, and Edgar Delgado. I always like Walt's art. His artwork gets weirder and weirder, but I'm always drawn to it. And I like the early stories of X Factor, and I love Weezy's writing. This book's essentially about Caliban, who recently betrayed the mutants and became a hellhound for Apocalypse. <laughs> um, he's going after the, his former friends. Uh... It's pretty good. It's definitely a side story, but like I said, because of things we talked about before and how important Apocalypse was back in the day, I give this book a uh, eight out of ten. Drink Iron Man. All right, so this is where I was going to end the episode, but uh, we're still doing pretty good here, so we're we're gonna keep on trucking, babe. Keep on trucking, babe. Um, next we've got Fantastic Four Life Story five and six. Uh, by Mark Russell, Sean Isakaki, Carlos Maglo, and Norlin Woodward. Um, not as good as Spider-Man life story. Uh, the progressive of decades didn't work as well, in my opinion. Artwork is just blah. Um, story is kind of blah. I did like how it ended. If I read Save Today, even though he's in a comatose state. Um, 7 out of 10, Drunk Iron Man for those two. Uh, free Comic Book Day, Dark Crisis number zero. Um, by Williamson, Chung, Ramos, and various. Um, I haven't been following DC that much. Um, Jim Chung's art has looked better. I do like his rendition of Clayface. Um, I don't like this, where the storyline is going so far. What's the point of killing these heroes if you know we're going to bring them back? Lots of nuts dudes are saying that they're hidden. I say that they're, they've been disappeared as it's been verbalized now. 
I did like that Jim Chung drew. I thought he did inserts, but I like that he kind of ate everybody's style of the Justice League from the past history of the characters. That was cool. That's probably the highlight of the book, but don't like where the story's going. Have no interest in it, honestly. This is supposed to get you hype for dark prices. I'm not going to pick it up. Uh, four out of ten, Dark Iron Man. Next, we have Static, issues four, five, and six. Um, And this is by Bita Alala, Ayala, Chris Cross, uh, Nicholas Draper Ivy. Okay. Um, I wanted to love these new milestone books. I, I, I became a huge fan of milestone probably about eight years ago, the OG books. Thus far, these new ones have done not much for me. Um, the colors are muddy in all of the books. The storytelling by Nicholas Draper Ivy is spotty, if I'm being honest. Um, Chris Cross helps out with the layouts, which does definitely help the storytelling out, but it just seems like it, honestly, it's kind of a mess. The dialogue isn't good. Um, the best part about these books, to me, honestly, is the cover by, um, what's his name? Um, can't think of the guy's name. Kari Car- Randolph. That's, that's the best part of it. Um, regrettably, I get a second half of the Static Shock Season 1, 4 out of 10 Drunk Iron Man. Next, we got Suicide Squad from 19, no, from April 2002. I bought this at a comic book convention. Uh, I had the first issue of this book, and um, back, I bought it back in the day, and I didn't uh, keep up on it. But it was a good walk down the nostalgia lane, and I like that it's written by Keith Giffen. And it is the run of the Suicide Squad that nobody talks about. And the artwork doesn't really match what you think of for a Suicide Squad book. But before, because it's nostalgia, um, and I can't tell you what the book is about. Uh, and I know it has some 90s, early 2000s fashion. Uh, Colonel Flag is in a wheelchair. Uh, people in the Suicide Squad are interesting. Good art by Paco Medina. Is this Paco Medina or is this... Which Medina is this? Yeah, it's Paco. Well, Paco had more of a cartoony style. Now he's kind of went into more of a modern, modern monotonistic style. So his art has evolved. But uh, anyway, 4 out of 10 drink I Judgment Day free comic book day special, which features the Avengers X-Men Eternals um, by Karen Gillum, Dustin Weaver, Jerry Dugan, and others. Um, this is Marvel's big event where they have the, I think it's the Eternals versus the X-Men with the Avengers in the middle trying to stop them from going to war. Uh, I understand that mutants are basically deviants. Uh, much like Dark Crisis, I don't like the direction that Marvel Comics is going into these days. So, two out of ten, Dark Iron Man. Alright. The Mighty Thor, number 12, from I think it's from 1998, I want to say. By Dan Jerkins, 
who was the artist on the new book, uh, the X-Men Legends 11, I believe. John Romita Jr. and Klaus Janssen. Klaus Janssen's inks, to me, only work on John Romita Jr. and not even all the time. Uh, this was a mighty short run that was pretty ce- celebrated at the time, but often forgotten now. To where uh, down, to where Thor took over the, the human body of a guy named Jake Olsen, I believe, and it has some interesting dynamics due to Jake Olsen having a girlfriend and her not knowing that he was also Thor. And it had uh, what's cool about this book is it's double sides. So back in the day, when you got issues 12, 25, 15, 75, and uh, their uh, other numbers like that. You'll get more pages, and JRGR did. He, he, he dropped his dick on the motherfucking artboard, which means like he, he, he killed it with the art. Um, I, I couldn't really follow the story because it's issue 12, and I think the storyline had to go on for some time. But essentially, uh, Destroyer had took over the body of a human being, and Thor gets that Destroyer to take over the persona of the Destroyer uh, so he can help. Fight some kind of war against the gods in Asgard because there's some kind of threat that's trying to, it has open tackle, I mean, shackled and ready to die. But with Thor gets the help of a destroyer and Hercules from a different era, not a different era, a different lineage of gods, and they take down the threat. So it's it's pretty good. Uh, 7 out of 10 are kind of Next up, we've got Free Comic Book Day, Spider-Man Venom. Uh, so this one is about... Remember. It's about Ben Riley as regular Spider-Man fighting off a a magical uh, mailbox. It's going to tie into a storyline called Dark Web. And I don't know what's going on in Spider-Man right now. But I don't really like the supernatural Spider-Man stories. Uh, and it is good to see GRGR again bike to bike uh, doing this book. And I wish it... Which is it? It's by Zepp Wells, John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna. And Scott Hanna is doing good on this work, but not good on the other inky jobs that he's done. And I'm not going to blame the penciler, because I've seen those other pencilers work recently. It hasn't been inked by him, and they look good. Every inker isn't good for every penciler. Dan Jerkins of the ink himself were brought over Noah Rathman to be an inker on that X-Men book. Um, and then there's also a story here about Venom, which artwork was not anything I liked. He talked about how Venom's son is, or well, Eddie Brock's son is a, is a Venom now. And he's teaming up with Norman Osborn's grandson, so Harry Osborn's son, who's also another Venom-esque character. Now, they're gonna, well, he, he gave him Norman Osborn's old Red Goblin symbiote, and now they're going to win some havoc. Uh, and I think Eddie Brock is dead. He's fighting all types of villains in, like, afterlife. Um, there's also a bonus story of the All Out Avengers, which doesn't do anything for me. Anyway, uh, 4 out of 10 drunk iron. Then I've got Generation Hex, number one, from the Amalgam Comics Books line. 
um, from the mid-2000s. I picked this one up because I've been interested in um, Amalgam Comics, and this is by Peter Milligan, Adam Polina, and Mark Morales. <sighs> Peter Milligan. Oh, and this is a combination of Generation X and Jonah Hex. So the only thing they got in common is that the name kind of rhymed, so that was interesting to me. Um, this book was honestly un- unreadable for me. But I love seeing the Adam Polina art. So, for our Tendrick Iron Man for that reason alone. Next, I, lastly, in the regular books, I've got DC vs. Marvel Comics number four, which is the last issue. Um, by Dan Jurgens, Peter David, uh, Castellini, Rubenstein, and Nearly. Nearly. Yeah, four out of ten. I bought it for a nostalgia stake. Uh, then we have the DC Black Label books, which I love. I love the, the oversized format. We have Catwoman Lonely City issue... It's not in front of me, honestly. Issue 4, I believe. Great. I uh, love the artwork. love the storylines. like her Dark Knight Returns. Um, I get that 9 out of 10 requirement. Uh, we have... Suicide Squad, Blaze 1 and 2. Um, a little wordy for my liking, but the artwork fits the storyline, and I love the covers. Um, and it's an interesting take on a Suicide Squad where they get, where they take, take regular human beings who are criminals and give them superpowers, and they have a, a time bomb to where they're gonna die regardless. And, if they die before then, the other people in the group get more powers. And they have mentors who are the other members, who are the members of the Suicide Squad that we would recognize. So it's a pretty interesting take on the, on the concept, and I like it. I give it one issue, one and two, uh, eight out of ten, Joker Iron Man. We have the Rogues. I, I think it's called Rogues. They're Rogues. Uh, book one by Joshua Williamson. Lee Max and Lopez. Uh, first and foremost, the artwork, when I thumbed through it, did not look that promising. I was like, what the fuck? Is this a mad magazine, crack magazine artist? But when you start reading the book, it makes sense and it fits the storyline and it's really good. Um, I almost, and basically, uh, getting the band back together for one last hurrah. When they're all, when all of the Flash's robes are older, or wiser, kind of do like a Suicide Squad type mission, trying to do one last score to get out of their mundane, non-criminal lives.